Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spoke, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Most of this chapter is actually a hymn or a psalm. It's a song that Moses made up on the spur of the moment to worship the Lord. They had some instruments with them, so some people probably played instruments in the background, and I'm sure it was really beautiful. Two, the Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will glorify him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which are all patriarchs of Israel, and they're all fathers of Moses. God has now become Moses' salvation. He's our salvation as well. And he is my song. It means without him, I wouldn't even be singing this song. 3. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. We can remember that about God. He fights our battles. He's not just sitting around expecting us to do things on our own to take care of ourselves. He will always fight our battles for us. 4. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea, and his chosen captains are sunk in the Red Sea. God is the one who fought the battle. The Hebrews were just walking across the dry land to the shore. They didn't lift any bow or arrow or sword. They didn't do anything to fight for themselves. God sent his own host of angels, probably, who took the chariot wheels off of Pharaoh's chariots. He himself made them drowned in the water. 5. The deeps cover them. They went into the depths like a stone. So they went straight down, but then, you know, the bodies come up later. 6. Thy right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, thy right hand, O Lord, dasheth in pieces the enemy. A man's right hand is always his son. So this is a reference to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And there are many references in the Old Testament to the Son of God as the right hand of God. 7. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou overthrowest them that rise up against thee. Thou sendest forth thy wrath, it consumeth them as stubble. God will overthrow all of his enemies at some point. He's very kind and gracious, and he lets people live a long time in their sin. But at some point, if they never repent, they do get overthrown. And it says that he consumes them like stubble, which means he consumes them in his fire. At nighttime, God appears as a pillar of fire. And fire represents the Holy Spirit. It represents the power of God as well. His spirit is all-consuming. In the Bible, it says that God says, I am a consuming fire. 8. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were filled up. The flood stood up high as a heap. The deeps were congealed in the heart of the sea. This is saying that with a quick breath coming out of the nostrils of God, that's what parted the waters, the breath coming out of God's nostrils. It took God no power because when you breathe with your mouth closed, not much air comes out and it doesn't come out very fast. 9. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Pharaoh thought he was going to get all the jewels back, and he thought he was going to kill a bunch of the Hebrews, and he thought he was going to overtake them and maybe bring a bunch of them back as slaves, but he was wrong. And that's what Satan and his demons think about you and I. They think that they're going to spoil us, that they're going to rob us of the prosperity that God has for us, spiritual prosperity, wisdom, and the knowledge of God, and justice in our lives, truth, and salvation itself. 
They come against us like an army and onslaught our lives with diseases and problems at work, problems at home, problems in the neighborhood, problems at school. It's a spiritual battle to get us to lose our faith and turn our backs on God. But verse 10, thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, they sank as lead in the mighty waters. First it said that Pharaoh's army sank like a stone, now it says they sank like lead, which is even heavier than a stone, straight down. God will do that with the demons that are trying to infiltrate your life and trying to bring you down. Just believe, call on the name of Jesus, and God will bring them down like a stone into the sea. 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the mighty? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? I can just imagine how exciting it must have been and how thrilling it must have been to hear Moses sing this song. Do you know when a crowd is excited and they start singing and chanting, they just get more excited? When Moses was singing this song, I'm sure that the people were getting pretty rowdy and pretty happy to hear it. And they had just seen their enemies drown in the sea, and now they're celebrating it with this song. 12. Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Now there are some other places in the Bible that are kind of notable where God swallows the enemies of his people. One of them is later on in the book of Numbers, Korah will come against Moses and challenge Moses's authority over the Hebrews. And Korah will say, you're a terrible leader. I should take your place. Korah will try to depose Moses, basically. And God will literally swallow up Korah and his family into the earth. The earth will open like in an earthquake. And then Korah's family will fall in and the whole family will get swallowed up. That's the only time in the Bible where people go to hell without dying. That must have been really scary. So you don't want to come against God and be his enemy. 13. Thou in thy love hast led the people that thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength in thy holy habitation. God's habitation is heaven. Even though God is in heaven, he still led his people on earth. He has the power to lead us, even though it seems like he's far away. 14. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have taken hold on the inhabitants of Philistia. Moses is prophesying the Philistines in their camp will hear this story and they will be afraid of, they'll tremble. And this actually does happen. When the Israelites are wandering around the desert and when they enter into Canaan finally, people have heard their story about how Egypt was totally destroyed and Pharaoh's army was completely destroyed and slain. And people are going to be very afraid of the Israelites as they wander around. 15. Then were the chiefs of Edom affrighted. The mighty men of Moab trembling taketh hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan are melted away. Moses is prophesying that the Canaanites are also going to be afraid. The Edomites are going to be afraid. The Moabites are going to be afraid. And this actually does come true. 16. Terror and dread falleth upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they are as still as a stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over that thou hast gotten. God, he has ownership of his own people. He's gotten us. He's redeemed us and saved us. He owns us. Until we get to our promised land, which is heaven, our enemies will be destroyed. And that's namely the demons. 
17. Thou bringest them in, and plantest them in the mountain of thine inheritance, the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. They are going to go to Mount Horeb to worship God, and God is going to dwell there for a while, and they're also going to stay there at the bottom of the mountain. But this can also be a reference to Canaan itself, where eventually they're going to go. And it's also a reference to heaven, where Mount Zion and the new heaven will be established. In the book of Revelation, the new heaven is mentioned as a mountain. 18. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. And we know that's true. And you and I want to live with him forever and ever. 19. For the horses of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. At the same time that the waters were covering the west side of the sea and drowning the Egyptians, The water was still dry on the east side, where God's children were still approaching the other side, so that the Egyptians would start drowning before the Israelites were even out of the sea, which is really amazing. 20. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. When Moses is done singing, then Miriam picks up her own song. And she starts going out to dance and sing. And I think a timbrel, tambourine, and that's what she was using to to worship with. The party is continuing. Moses got done singing. Now his older sister Miriam, who has prophesied, she's going to sing. 21. And Miriam sang unto them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he hath thrown into the sea. This is the only words of the song of Miriam, which to me means that she sang it over and over for a while. She just kept singing over and over, Sing ye to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. And all the women are behind her, following her, adding variations to it. 22. And Moses led Israel onward from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. They had originally told Pharaoh they were going to travel three days out and worship the Lord. Now they've traveled three days out, which is God's number, and they're getting thirsty. There's no water anywhere. It's a time of testing. When adversity comes in your life, rejoice and trust the Lord because he's testing your faith to see if you're going to trust him when adversity comes. It's actually a test and we need to rise to the occasion and pass that test because great rewards are in store for us, great spiritual rewards and probably eternal rewards in heaven for every test that we pass. When you're coming up to a brick wall, praise the Lord for it and wait on his salvation. It will come because you're being tested, which means your reward is on its way. 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. Marah is a common theme in the Bible because myrrh, bitterness, is a common theme. Our sins make our life bitter. Jesus took our sins upon himself on the cross, and he took on all the bitterness that results from our sin. He felt all that sorrow and all that bitterness. Maybe a year and a half after I became born again, I was still dealing with sorrow from my past. And one day, long story short, the Lord told me to repent. He said, you've been carrying this bitterness, this sorrow that I already carried on the cross for you. You need to give it up and give it to me. I own that. 
Don't try to carry it on yourself. I already took it on the cross. And so I repented and I said, sorry, Lord, I didn't even know I was doing that. All I knew was that I was really sad, but I didn't know why. And I didn't know that I was actually sinning, that I was harboring a spirit of sorrow. And so I repented and immediately that sorrow left. My life has been dramatically changed from that day. There's been other times where he's healed me in different ways, but that was one of the times where I got a really deep healing of the soul when I repented of carrying the spirit of sorrow. And he died so that I would not have to carry that sorrow any longer. When I gave it to him that day, oh boy, did I feel so much better. Bitterness is a theme not only because our sin makes our life bitter, but also because Jesus carried our bitterness on the cross. And thirdly, as I have found from experience, because you and I don't have to live in bitterness anymore. 24, and the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? 25, and he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree and he cast it into the waters. Now these waters are bitter and Moses has cast a tree and Jesus died on a tree and Jesus prayed and cried bitter tears before he died. And he died on the tree, carried all of our bitterness. Anyway, it's just another picture of salvation, another really beautiful picture. There he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And he means God. 26, and he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his eyes, and wilt give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon thee, which I have put upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. So now God has another name, the Lord. Lord that healeth. He is the God who heals us. He heals us not only physically, but financially, socially. He heals our relationships and he heals our souls. He heals us emotionally, psychologically, mentally. Even if you have a learning disability, God will heal that if you just put your faith in him and trust him. Now, this doesn't mean our lives are always going to be peaches and cream. We're still going to have adversity because Satan will attack us, but we can always expect and anticipate healing in our lives in every single area that we need it. He is the God that heals us. He's basically making a promise to the people. He says, if you guys don't sin like the Egyptians sinned, you won't have any of the diseases that, that the Egyptians had. And this promise is for you and I today as well. Now, if we've led a life of sin in the past and diseases have come our way, you know, there's a lot of people today who have sexual diseases and maybe liver damage and other kind of damage to their organs because of drugs or alcohol. It came because of sin, but God is the God who heals. When you repent, he can heal your body. 27, and they came to Elim, where were 12 springs of water and three score and 10 palm trees. Now score is 20. So three score and 10 is 70. And they encamped there by the waters. So they came to a camp that had 12 springs and 70 palm trees. This camp still exists today. You can Google it. There is a place out there in the desert today that's near this area, past the Red Sea, and it has a lot of palm trees. I'm sure there are 70, but it's hard to count the palm trees on Google. And it has 12 wells. The 12 wells represent the 12 tribes of Israel. The 70 palm trees represent the original 70 people who came to Egypt when Joseph was regent of Egypt. And that's God again reminding them of all of his promises and all of his goodness. And that concludes Exodus chapter 15.